I've done my share of interviews over the years with a few questions that keep getting asked. And although I answer them as politely as I can, it is mind-numbing. Questions like, what are your influences? Do you like playing festivals more or clubs more? And the all-time favorite, how do you write a song? Granted, some of the people asking show genuine curiosity, but most of the time, these are questions asked with feigned interest and are just there to basically fill the void. But as much as I've rolled my eyes inwardly every time it's asked, I find myself with very similar questions when it comes to comedians. I am fascinated with stand-up comedy and the people brave enough to make it their vocation, or in most cases, their pastime. There's a lot of banter in between the songs of our live show, so I've been able to get a taste of what it could be like. But to stand there by yourself, delivering lines that are meant to be funny but not sure of the nightly response, it all strikes me as emotionally exhausting. I can never be a stand-up comedian, so my interest for the craft is tenfold. When I find myself in between two comedians talking about the process, I relish the moments because it's a conversation I rarely get to listen in on. Past episodes with Jason Rouse, Scott Thompson, and Sean Cullen were such moments. The proliferation of comedy podcasting has satiated this need to an extent, but I want to insert my perspective on it, and thus this podcast and this podcast episode with comedian Fraser Young. It was actually my idea to bring in Fraser, but Nick, who is friends with him, hooked this whole thing up. Fraser is a hilarious guy, a great comedian, currently writing for the show George Strombolopoulos Tonight on CBC in Canada. I've seen him pretty much floor a room, and everyone out there should own his comedy record, Everyone Loves a Smug Bastard. You can get it on iTunes or his website, youngfraser.com. As with most of our visiting on-the-road podcasts, this one didn't come without its tribulations. Scheduling conflicts only allowed for an after-office hours recording, and so it was decided that Nick and I journey to the CBC building to record on Fraser's home turf. It seemed easy enough until we found ourselves in a 15-minute Spinal Tap-esque maze of construction and locked doors. When we finally got to Fraser's area, we immediately sat down and hatched this out. I must say, this is a podcast episode for people truly interested in the process of comedy. It's an interesting insider's vantage point. I eat this kind of stuff up, but other people might not, so listener beware. This episode is one of the reasons why I partnered up with Nick Flanagan for this podcast in the first place, the chance to discuss the process of comedy. I would like to thank our sponsors, Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones. Yeti Mics and Mixmaster Mic Headphones and Aviator Headphones make this podcast go round. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, Fraser Young is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. Corporation, in case you want to know what that stands for, you don't have the time to wiki. Yeah, who has time to wiki? I've, I've always got time. We're here with Fraser Young. Hi, everyone. 
comedian extraordinaire oh, and writer yeah. for the George Strombo show. Am I right? Do I have that? Yes, uh, George Strombolopoulos tonight, but everyone calls it Strombo. And sequel. also for the hour before that. Yes, it was the hour. So and people he's written for some Canadian award shows. Yes. And um, he has an album out called Everybody Loves a Smug Bastard. Yes. And I have that record. I've had it for a few years. Is oh, that a record? Really? Yeah. I never knew. Yeah. Um, and I've seen you perform live a few times, actually. Yeah, okay. In the past. And I always thought you were quite funny. Thank you. And nice I'm really say. digging this so it's, far. Well, the fact that we actually, I packed up the mics, the blue mics, and came down here. It was because we needed to get you on the podcast. I, I very much appreciate yeah. this. Look at me. Cat, look, come on, world, huh? I've never had Danko come to my house with the microphones. I've, um, I've never been invited to your house. What I don't. House? Uh, you, I was actually thinking about that house? today, how yeah. we've never been to. I yeah. live in a place now until March. We, I feel very privileged being here. We've gotten kind of not the red carpet treatment here, but more like the beige carpet treatment. I mean, there's a carpet here. <laughs> yeah. That it's we not got, beige. We it's great. I want to make that on. clear. There's carpet on the walls. And, uh, yeah. you know, we're in the CBC building. It's after hours, so there's nobody here, especially like George isn't here. Strombo's George is not, not here. here. We can go and trash his office, guys. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. I'd love to do that. That would He would probably think it was punk and respect us. Yeah, for, I think I think he would find it funny. For a lot of people who are listening to the podcast, they might not know who George Strombolopoulos is. In Canada, George is a very well-known, um, well, he started off as a DJ, mm-hmm. um, and then he moved into... Music television became a talking head VJ there, yeah. and then he the CBC, which is kind of like the BBC of Canada, gave him his own show. And he what was it? Maybe five, six years ago now. I think I think this is season nine of, of him uh, of him doing it. Yeah. Time flies. Okay, yeah. time flies. Nine years ago. And how long yeah. have you been working with him now? This is my second season. But you've been working with him for. No, actually, I, I really? basically I really just met him uh, last uh, last year in September. But and were you at the hour before that? No, I never okay. never did the hour. Okay. And uh, earlier I said you wrote for the hour. No, I, I, the show I used that. to be called the hour, and then uh, and okay. then it went down to a half hour like two years ago. So they started <laughs> calling it George Strombolopoulos tonight. Call it the hour. Yeah, that's you're gonna you're gonna lose some uh, some credibility there. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I've been I've been on here the last two years, and I wrote for him as well when he hosted the uh, the Genies last year. Right. So how did he? How did you meet George, and how did you get this writing job for the Strombo show? This was the kind of thing where it was just pure agent. Like you know how you have that thing where it's like a lot of the gigs you get are always you were gonna get it anyway, and then you bring it to your agent, and then they get the percentage. This one was pure. I never heard a whisper of it, and just my agent gave me a call and said we submitted you for Strombo, and uh, they want to meet with you. So we went through there and. Bing, bing, you know. And this is your writing agent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And can I get a recommendation? Yes, I think uh, <laughs> I think that you should submit a package. Here. That's my recommendation to you. Um, uh, okay, what kind of package are you talking? Me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your package. Just submit it. <laughs> submit and, uh, a, fo- yeah. a photo of my package. <laughs> yeah. I forgot to tell you that this podcast also doubles as a way for Nick to kind of move get, his career forward. <laughs> I was thinking about that today, too. He's got seven business cards on the table right <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. I'm looking at all of them. None of them are mine. Yeah. Um, They're all busty lady business <laughs> cards. <laughs> we met years ago. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah. Uh, through a mutual friend of ours uh, who's also a comedian, uh, John Catucci. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. And John Catucci 
for all the people who don't live in Canada, also has a TV show right now on the Food Network, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Right. And uh, it's called You Gotta Eat Here. Yes, I think and it's called Yeah, Gotta Eat Here. Yeah, yeah gotta, gotta, gotta Eat Y'all yeah, Gotta Eat Here. Yeah, Gotta Eat Here. And uh, I think uh, he's also, his comedy act was, I don't know if it's still up and running, but the Duos, which is a duo. Yeah, I don't know if they're doing as much stuff together (laughs) right now, but uh, yeah, like uh, I love those guys. They're yeah. And so we, I, I, me and JC was in in our band. He Mm -hmm. we we both went down to uh, check John out because JC and and Katucci are very good friends. Right. Um, And Katucci was telling me that we should check out the headliner, who was you. And we stuck around. And Where was this? Very impressed. This was around the King and Laugh Resort. Probably would have been, been Laugh Resort. Laugh Resort. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's underneath the Holiday Inn yes, at the time. Exactly, yeah. It was the Holiday Inn, and so um, uh, very impressed. And then I saw you again at uh, some bar on Jarvis, I want to say, and there it was after the. It's so comedy. sad that we just want to yeah. think so hard about yeah. what bar this could possibly. Yeah, exactly. Be. The the after the comedy show, it was a. Uh, Rock and roll karaoke. Because I remember it was you and, and John Catucci and JC and Nug, who is another comedian. Yes, Nug is of, funny. Of yeah. so, and then I, I guess just trying to be an attention whore, at the end of the night for rock and roll karaoke, I mean, hey, I'm going to participate. I, I, I have sung on stage before. Right. Yeah. But I didn't sing. I, I wanted to play drums. And I don't know how to play drums, and I chose Stairway to Heaven to play drums. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what I remember. Drum from karaoke? Drum, well, the band played car- uh, Stairway to Heaven, and I sang and played drums. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's you good. can pretty, I mean, if it's rock and roll karaoke, you can pretty much. If there's a bustle in your hedgehog. I, yeah. Is that, I made up the lyrics that? whenever I don't I, know. If there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't, don't be, be alarmed now. now. Very nice. It's just a spring it's clean for the May, May Queen. Queen, something like that. Whatever. Now you owe the money. We can't air this episode. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Just did well, I don't know if one. that really counts as singing. That uh, <laughs> yeah. that was, you know, <laughs> that's not playback. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. I haven't heard my band. <laughs> <laughs> very close to singing, or Leonard Cohen. But, yeah. yeah. Well, but I mean, I think Leonard Cohen gets those same criticisms. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's, you're just reciting poems to music. <laughs> I love it. Um, but then afterwards, uh, the first um, rap. That's what I call him. Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen is the first rapper. (laughs) (laughs) Curtis Blow. Lenny Go. (laughs) So, so, so black people were appropriating from French Jews, right? right. (laughs) Anglo Montreal Jews, right? Yeah. So how how um how'd you how'd you get come about? I'm always fascinated by this because because being in a band, you know, there's always a um in, in the in the back of your head, you know, the moment you put out the album um, you just know that there's a cycle and once the cycle is over you got to go back into the studio and write a bunch of tunes and record them and so this is how we keep going and I'm yeah. always I'm always interested by comedians you you fall into this category as does Nick is you put out a record in 05 06, 06. it's 2013 now yeah. so that's seven, 7 years I don't mean to sound like your mom, but you've had TV appearances, right? Yeah, oh, it's the kind of thing. It was like I, I could have, rec- like I've probably burned another album worth of material since then, and got another one, which I, I could do another one, and I've, I've yeah. been meaning to. But it's just the kind of thing where it's like, 
Well, that that one's still selling, and it's like the the hassle of recording another one. But it's like, but here's why? my thing: yeah. is like, but it's not a ton hassle, of hassle. Yeah, the hassle point. of recording a, a a rock record is like ten forget, times. Yeah, for, oh, forget about yeah, it. Oh, yeah. Forget about recording the songs. It's loading the equipment in yeah. takes a day. Um, and all you guys got to do is set up the mics at a at a club. Get your friend who's who you know moonlights as a engineer yeah. and and record it. As long as you have that the was material. What I did. You did that. Yeah. You had a label putting it out. I did three shows. Did you? Did you do one show? I did two. I did, did, I did shows. both shows on a Saturday. And you? Yeah. And did you mix them together? I did this? indeed. Yeah. And I did three shows. One of which was at a different location. Oh, really? So yes. the sound was like all. So that was a mistake yeah. that I made. But the <laughs> right. fact it was three shows kind of made the fact that there was the one that was the mistake audio-wise not a huge deal. Right. Um, but. Would you even do it? I almost think doing one show is, is like, fine. Yeah. Like, if you do like one now? show and you did an hour at the show and you were going to make it a 45-minute, 40-minute album and you cut it, yeah. you know? I mean, that's almost the same as doing two of, like, the identical hour or slightly different. Because you're always going to have one that you prefer. And there's always... If there is a different mood, generally show to show, you know? And so it makes it... Uh, what I found was cutting it together became this painful thing almost, you know? Well, it's, I mean, for me, like, I, I would probably just do one show this time and, yeah. and let it stand. Like, whereas last time, I was like, you know, I was really happy with both my performances. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the audience was really into some stuff in the first show and really into other stuff in the other show. And so it's like, that well, I'll just try, perfect, I'll yeah. try and make it so it's all the best ones. But, like, now I would just be like, yeah, well, they didn't dig that one so much, but uh-huh. I'm still happy with the way I performed it. Reviews, so, so here you go. Reviews right. of my record would say... It's interesting that he kind of leaves in like no when jokes that get no response, (laughs) and I was like, "But that's not that weird, is it?" No, I mean you're just trying to be accurate. After died, I mean, and also it's like it's up upwards and onwards from there. In a way, I view that as as the one kind of beautiful thing about presenting something uh, after the fact. It's actually up to the listener. To judge whether or not they think it's funny, they can actually go. Well, that's the whole yeah. concept of what the laugh track was on sitcoms, right? right? It was yeah. prompting you to laugh. Yeah. And I, now we're in an age where yeah. Arrested Development and yeah. all these Parks and Recreation. But it does sound like I'm really justifying why no one's laughing at my <laughs> jokes. <laughs> on, the, on the other yeah. hand, but I mean, like, this, <laughs> I'm helping is, you out, man. No, it's still, it's still like a joke that you believe. It's not like you decided after after that joke bombing every time for like ten months. Well, you know what? It's still going on the album. And it's like no, it, normally it I does. Did do well, that in some <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just saw Nick perform last week, and uh, you had some sort of Paris Hilton joke, and you saved yourself in a really good way. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna I, blow it. But. Uh, well, no, it's just I did a joke that's actually on the record, which is sometimes oh, nice. I do that where I'm like, I'll tell one of my really old jokes, yeah. and then people get interested. Yeah. But it was a Paris Hilton joke; nobody laughed. <laughs> and I was like, Why? You guys didn't get don't get mad when other when bands you hear a song from 2001 come <laughs> on the radio when the Strokes hits the radio. <laughs> You're happy when the vines when you hear the vines. Did you just come is, up with that on the spot. Yeah. Yes, that, that was a good one. Yeah. That was really good. It, it's an interesting <laughs> thing because you know we will we will um, we will we will have it, it. It takes so much to to just get into the studio and to record the songs and to write the songs, etc. Writing songs, coming up with like an hour's worth of material, a very similar process, but the execution in terms of recording it is is quite different and easier for you guys. So, okay, so you, you set up the mics for two nights, three nights. It all bombs. <laughs> just do it again next week. Just book another two yeah. shows next yeah, week. Why don't you guys do that? The, I'm always banging But nobody's doing... I mean, you're not... It's really rare that you're going to have a, a thing where you 
organize an album taping. But and bands, then they, bands play live. There's always recordings of every show of every band. You know, yeah. there's someone there. Why do you, don't but you, you guys probably do record that? a lot of your shows? I, I do like uh, for for audio, just like on my phone. But yeah, like so the I. thing for me too is it's it's tough to get uh, 45 minute spots yeah. around. You know, and it's like if I book my own show. I could book my own show and promote it like crazy and still have zero people show. I mean, well, not zero, but I mean, like, no, I know. you know, have, have a few people show it's up. It's not and like it's a like, band. Yeah. So in other words, the smartest thing to do uh, sometimes when you're making an album is to somehow, uh, I would say as if you're doing a weekend at, like, a place you like right. going. I yeah. mean, and this isn't really a world, like, I, I participate in a lot. But it's like, yeah, if you're headlining somewhere that you know goes well every time, you would say, "I'm also taping this for my record, or whatever," yeah. and 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 that would be it. that's what people do th- sometimes. Or I really think the best thing you could do um, would be to like book a kind of a no-brainer space, like a thirty-person space. Well, exactly, two yeah. shows, and uh, because the intimacy is is palpable a lot of the time at a good place, and uh, you know, it just is. Uh, it, the, the, if you're in there with a lot of people, it's like. Well, they might be intimidated by being so close to you into laughing whether or not they like right. it. <laughs> you're kind of bullying them into laughing. You're in a weird way. I mean, you're not, but it's like that's why I think those intimate shows or whatever feel really good is because there's some. If you are okay at what you do, there's like, and you create a connection, people will be more. It's easier to create a connection because okay. it's smaller. When did you, Nick? When did you put out your comedy album? I think it came out two years ago. And what's the name of it? Three, you know, three years ago. What, what is it called again? I'm here all week. I'm here all week. Right. Oh now. yes. Um, so, it's this would be the time if you were if you were a band and you mm. were on a label that the label would come to you and say, okay, you know, it's X amount of months and mm-hmm. the next one's coming out. Where are you at that stage? The two year cycle is passed now. Where are you? And then and then for you, Fraser. Where are you? It's been 06 since 06. And you said you have enough material to to come out with a a one or two. Now, did you, you you know, finance the first one yourself? Yes. And you sell it through your website? Exactly, yeah, and on iTunes. So in terms of, like... Money. I mean, it, there is more of more money from you that's getting put into the to a possible second album. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like because I've also all considered uh, like just doing a DVD for the mm-hmm. second one because there's I have some stuff that I do visually as well. Like not like just I mean in terms of like with my hands and face, not I like think that's not a good like idea. Uh, not like props or anything like that. But I was like I might consider doing a DVD, and for me, like that's I'm always like wondering. Because I, I wouldn't want to do, like, a DVD taping at a club and have the club logo in behind me, you know? I, I mean, like, at a comedy club, I'd rather do it at, like, an independent... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only reason why I'm pressing you is because we had Jason Rouse yes. on a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and this guy is... I mean, he's been doing it for so long, and he still doesn't have an album out. It's it's It was interesting to me to understand his process, and he just, you know, he's just been... You know, he, he has the material, obviously. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but um, he just hasn't felt that it's up to, you know, up to up to the expectations that he set. But was his special an hour, like, years ago? Was the his comedy, comedy now special? So was that an hour it or 45 minutes? I feel like it yeah. was. So you got that. That's 45 minutes. Do you have one of those? Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah. I, I'm, I taped, like, around the same time as Jason. Like, my, I taped mine in 2000. So, yeah, like, so that none was, of that stuff is Exactly. That's, I mean, that's ba- none of that even remotely resembles me. Like, I, everyone's, like, mine was just hey, a half hour. I just hour. bought this Beck album. It's yeah. so <laughs> no, but it's like my, hey, my, anybody here heard the band yeah. Wolf Mother? My, 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 my thing is, like. Young. 
I think I think it's wonderful. I love that I'm just giggling in between hey. Yeah. Much like you. Yeah, no, that's when you deliver it. That's basically what I do. Okay, I, now I can't tell who's the real Fraser. Sorry, no worries. But I would say, like, uh, like when I was in 2000, you know, I was I I was 23, and so like a lot of my jokes were basically like I was living up with my parents in Newmarket, so my jokes were a lot about like driving. And living with my parents, you know, because I, I've been coming oh, down to Toronto a lot. You're sick of breakfast in bed. You're sick of my mother bringing breakfast every day. <laughs> I feel when I, when you deliver your comedy, uh, I, you're just about to use so many swear words. Yeah, <laughs> you have to hold back. I mean, like I I swear I swear I here and there. Swear up there. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but it's not. You're not a dirty comic. Yeah, no. I, I, I try. And I, like it's it's more just like casual swearing, which yeah. I I think I do. Like I'll I'll rely on it sometimes. Like if I could tell, oh. It's a bit of a, a bit of like a younger crowd, and they're kind of drunk. I'll throw throw a few more swears in there, and afterwards I'll be like, "That's so cheap. Uh, why did I? You know, it's like you, you the, let the material stand. You know, right? I mean, like I, there's swearing written into the material as well, but I mean, right. I like when I when I really spice That's it different. up. You know That's exactly it. Well, I had someone say the funniest thing to me after that show on Tuesday. Oh, my God. He was like, you're, uh, he was like, that was great tonight. Um, anyway, bye, guys. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no. yeah. That He's good. like, that was great tonight. You know, honestly, I see you, like, all the time, and I would say, like, four out of 12 times, it is awesome. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, I mean, with the mo- amount of overthinking, I don't, any, to, I don't know how to take that. How do you work yeah. with that, right? Because, yeah. like, with maybe the way your brain works, maybe our all of us, it's there's this element where it's like you kind of want to be awesome all yeah. the time. You but know? He, he he made an effort, or maybe it wasn't just for you, but he's seen you twelve times. Oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this guy's awesome. This guy's yeah. twelve. This guy yeah. is a great guy, and what he and you know he and of course what he really means is like oh well like I like it yeah. eight times and then exactly. the other four really great and I'm like eight times good solid B yeah. and then the other four times A plus and then but know? but you know the where your head goes is like I just want to be A plus yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, which is maybe getting into why putting out a record is so hard because getting to that A plus point with comedy is crazy. You know, and that's what you want your album to be ultimately. Oh it's yeah, like, like it's, it's all it's all hits, and everyone's like, I can't I can't believe it. Each, each one better than the next. Were you happy with your for your record? I was I was really happy with yeah. it. Yeah, Here, and it's a great album. No, thank I mean, you. Uh, but here's the problem that I I, I um uh, that I think I I can pinpoint with all you guys, including <laughs> Jason uh, Jason Rouse. Yeah. is that you guys uh, stand alone. You, you aren't in a band. You don't have yeah. other cooks in the kitchen. So it's just you, and you overthink things. And you, even though you get tired of a joke, the way a band gets tired of a song, you gotta, you gotta play. Smells like Teen Spirit. If you're <laughs> yeah. Nirvana, you know you gotta do that. At the end of the night, Van Halen has to play Jump. Yeah. Um, and being that you're a team of one, you can easily just go. I'm not gonna play Jump tonight. Yeah. And that only serves you. Uh, at that moment, but really, the bigger picture is there should be somebody telling you, you gotta, you you have to sing Happy Birthday tonight. You have to play <laughs> Smells Like Teen Spirit tonight or Enter Sandman, <clears throat> because that's what's you know that's what's 
But uh, you're tired of it, but everybody loves it. And I find that you you guys as comedians, as like I said, a team of one, uh, just just lose sight of that. You need a, a another cook in the kitchen sometimes. I think That's a sounding board. What what half More of what I love about about stand up though is that I get to make all the decisions. And yeah. So, and the, but there's also the kind of thing. It's like if something messes up. I don't have anyone else to blame. I'm not. I'm not mad at someone else because they dropped the ball and didn't do this or that. It's like if this went poorly, it's because of something I did on my own <laughs> and suck it up and move on and do it better next time. And if That's and a if great something, attitude. yeah, oh yeah, because when I do something wrong, I go, "That was all my fault." Yeah, and then it's curling in a ball for like six months. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's like like I've, I've done like sketch stuff in that like too, and it's like you know we put together like a sketch show, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, why are we doing this one and this? It's like, oh, this, and then they go and they bomb, and it's like, yeah. I knew they were gonna bop my thing, and then meanwhile, I've some of mine have messed up as well. But it's like the feeling of letting other people down. I don't like, and the feeling of being let down. I don't like. So it's like this is it. It all rides on me. It's it's. I get so to make you, all the decisions, all the blame. And you're not me. let down when you fuck up because you think to yourself, okay, I just gotta. I'm tomorrow's another well, day. Sometimes, sometimes I'll get mad at myself if it's if it's something where it's like because uh, I have longer pieces as well. Like I mean, I have, I have some short stuff, but like a lot of it's kind of longer mm-hmm. pieces. And I'll go through, and it's like a two-minute bit, and you, there's laughs all the way. But then I'll just totally blow the punchline, and it's like, oh, you <laughs> asshole! We, it was so gonna be so good. Like the audience was just right, and you just <laughs> dropped the ball right at the very end. How weird! It's like, is oh, that? I, but I will like, like get vocally like fake angry at myself on stage, and it will usually, you know, result in a laugh. But yeah. it's just like because the audience at least appreciates. But this, it's still not the same. Like if you if you had nailed it, it would have been such a crest of laughs, like so coming through so well. Um, switching gears here, how how has the transition from just be, like you said, you kind of got the call from your agent to join the 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 CBC crew here? Yeah. Um, how is the how was the transition from you know working by yourself as a stand-up comic to working on a, a team, uh, being a team of writers? Like Nick, you also write. Uh, for television, but mm. even then you're I'm by yourself. Home. Which Fraser also used to do that as well. Yeah, like I used to write for uh, for some sitcoms and stuff as well, like mm. uh, some teen sitcoms, and then like a, a grown up, an adult sitcom as well. But it's it's great to do in terms of like building on other people's ideas. Like that's great when you're when you're like at the beginning of the season and you're pitching ideas around for like say like stories or something like that, and then someone has an idea like this, and then it's just build, build, build all, all the way through there. It's it can be frustrating when it's like. I want this joke going in here mm-hmm. and then like the show run like whoever's in charge it's their show and yeah. it's like well no we're going to do this and you're like well I mean that's well, what, do you, what What can I say uh, this, I, I not, think it's not your child yeah really, exactly yeah, well that's, yeah. that's what it is but it is it's fun it's it's also interesting writing in someone else's voice because my voice is very distinct like I I, I talk different than people do hey, and so hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so when uh, when it's when it's writing for someone else it's like okay I, I, I also never write down any of my material like I, I have I just title it I never it's pretty I never, insane really I never I, it. that's just, pretty amazing I'll just like walk I walk around and just do it over and over in my head until I'm comfortable enough, and then I. Do use... you ever walk into poles and stuff? <laughs> no, I, I have my eyes open the whole time. I, I do. I used to. I used to do that with lyrics. Yeah, you and never the... wrote them down. No, it's it's annoying. Like it's so weird. Like when I have to, like if I'm doing like a festival, I, I did. I do now though. Yeah, I do now. I did a couple of festivals uh, last year, and like to, to get it on TV, you have to submit like the written version of your jokes, and I'm like typing it out, and I'm like. So because I don't I don't write the way that I talk like there's it's much more 
formal? Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. I'm really like you know the point of writing is to get it you know sharp and tight and all that, and so I'm like writing it out and I'm writing it the way that I say it. I'm like, well, this looks stupid on paper, yeah. but trust me, it works when I'm talking about it. You know? I mean, have you had? Uh, that's a really interesting thing that you're talking about, which is this sh- shift as you go on uh, in your in your like how you write and all yeah. that kind of stuff is interesting. I mean, do you find yourself writing down stuff more at this point or is it all still in your head? No, it, you it's all, I mean, like, I, I write down, I write down ideas for jokes. Like I'll write down, oh, you know, uh, hey, mm-hmm. doing a podcast with three guys and yeah. then it's like, oh yeah. That can go a lot of different ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. I, I do that too. Um, when we're, even, even to this day, I only start writing it when I have to sing the songs or, or present the songs to the guys in the studio so everybody can follow along. Right. Then I'll write it out. But in, if it was just me, it's it's all in my head. Like, for me, I always get, like, I always... I prefer writing on stage now. I often do that, but yeah. I, I'm not I'm not that great at it. Like, I, I, like, really I, need, to have, I need to have at least, like, goalposts of, wh- of where I'm getting to. Yeah. Because if I go up with a premise and then try and... If, like, a lot of my stuff is also, like, story-based and yeah. that this thing happened to me. Yeah. So if I go there... And I have I have like the story without how I'm going to make it funny, and I'm not going to be able to come up with it. You know, it's you don't have that gun to your head mentality on stage. You know, where the fact that you're just under that pressure to deliver to these people. You know, you I think you 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 come up you came up with this that way uh, from being in bands. Maybe yeah, because that's a similar feeling I get when we're about to go on stage. It's that. That nervousness that I know you, you everybody feels it, but that gun to the head kind of uh-huh. pressure is it's possible. <clears throat> That's something I can. I mean, my first addressing of, of crowds would be in between songs, much like you, Dinko, like uh, in between songs, and I would always try to say something weird and or funny, yeah. and and uh, you know that's maybe a mentality I'm trying to keep going. But I also think what you're talking about is totally right. Like, those goalposts, like, you kind of need to have a punchline, even if it's a silly, like, just some, a save, you know? Yeah. Like, just, like, to get you out of it. You need that just to wrap something and up. And it's kind of like, where I can, I can spritz with the crowd, you know, just, like, talk it back and forth. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not at all, like, I'll, I'll get laughs out of that. But that's usually just, like, short, boom, boom, boom. But if I'm trying to, uh, if I'm trying to craft a, a, a bit... Then it's like just going up without an idea of where I'm going. That that never I can't really weave the story, you know. <clears throat> well, the last time Carlin uh, came to Toronto, <clears throat> I was in the crowd. He played in uh, Roy Thompson Hall. Yeah, and the guy, he was, he must have had the flu. He was really really sick. You can hear it in his My voice. God, I can <laughs> But you know how Carlin does it, much <laughs> like Carlin. I think. Was that your George Carlin imitation? I'm George Carlin. I'm the very old George Carlin, oh and I'm angry. I'm angry at. I'm angry at death. <laughs> it's, it's like I'm in here with Rich Little. I know you yeah. didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the man of uh, one voice. Not George Carlin, but Rich Little. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm here with a uh, disgraced impressionist. <laughs> <laughs> was Rich Little a disgraced impression? I feel like nobody is really willing, you know. I think disgraced is too strong. Was I he don't... on the boat with Natalie Wood? <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, uh, so I, I saw Carlin, and uh, he, played he, Sun he was City. really, 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 he was really um, very, very sick. Probably yeah. had the flu. Yeah. And uh, you could hear it in his voice. But I was so surprised, and everybody knows the process that, by now, if you're a comedy head, you know the process that he went through. Much like how, I guess, Louis C.K. has kind of taken that yeah. that torch, or just like 
going through the process and then shitting it out and then starting <laughs> over again. Yeah. And he was in the middle of that when he came to Toronto. He came out with all his notes on a table. I don't know if you guys knew this, and he would yeah, just turn the yeah. notes, and you know he would he would reference the notes. And for for someone who's I've never I'd never seen him live before. And it would I've always seen the finished product, the end of that whole uh. process. I mean, I, we've all seen that Seinfeld movie, Comedian. Right. Yes. But, man, Jerry Seinfeld never brought notes. And I consider Carlin, like, he's the master. Yeah. Well, but they're very different types of I know, masters but, but or like, whatever. But, like, I mean, to bring, like, pages, it's just kind of like, you know... He's 71, man. What does he care? That's, I mean, at that point, I, the, every every vibe I got, all the vibe I got from Carlin, me, yeah. what the TV sent to wait, me, wait, do it the as secret Carlin. message... <laughs> I don't no, care no. about. <laughs> He's. He I do impressions shit. for the last like six podcasts. By the way, I have done at least one impression. This of is me. crazy. Of, I don't think I've ever done it. Did I do a Danko Jones impression? You've done the last two podcast episodes. You've done an a different impression of me. <laughs> two totally different impressions. Hey, what's up? I'm Danko Jones. Welcome to the Danko Jones oh, podcast. That's that was spot one, on. That was one. <laughs> you have done that already. But no, uh, what I mean is I think that, you know, because he really broke down all kinds of, like, he he, he invented style, like, two or three different styles, I feel, in the 70s yeah. stuff. Like, it was really, really good stuff. And then by the 80s, you kind of saw this weird anger. The, the angry guy was kind of becoming the main thing. It's awesome. And then by the 90s, it was, like, even more. And, I mean, what's the natural genesis of, like, a really, really angry comedian as he ages is like, whatever. I'm just gonna do this. But you I know? don't think he. I don't think he brought can, those notes on stage because he could get away with it because he's now a curmudgeon. He's officially a curmudgeon. I, I really feel that this is the process that he was doing. Yeah. Whether it was the tail end of his career the, or in the middle. I mean, but this you is think how that he, if you'd seen him in 1974 in the middle of a tour, he would have had a, a table. I of have notes. a feeling it would have been like that. Maybe what, by bringing the notes on, he was basically saying, "Hey guys, I'm fucking George Carlin." You know, I'm the master. I gotta say, I think to I some can, extent there is that. I can yeah. shit you know, on the you know stage I mean? and you'll fucking applaud. Yeah. What do you think, Fraser? I, I think it's, I think it's uh, like along those. I mean, I think that when people come to Toronto, when comics come to Toronto, they're not necessarily gearing up for that to be at their peak level. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> so they're, they're we're not, routing, so we're routing yeah. stop. On yeah, well, the, that's, on the I tour? think. I mean, like I've I've heard a lot of people who heard you went and you know shelled out hundred bucks to see this guy play Toronto or that guy play Toronto, and they're like, yeah, there was some stuff that was funny and some stuff that was kind of. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's working. He's he's testing stuff out, yeah. getting ready for a giant special that he's going to do. Which and I, sell. I love. Yeah. It's just that Carlin brought out the notes, and I yeah. loved it because I'm I'm a huge. I'm yeah. the biggest yeah. Carlin fan ever, and I he could. I like I'm one that of those he did people that. Who, I think yeah. it's good that he did that because I think that that for you know just to train people to accept that is good, yeah. you know, because in the end it, there's such a wide range of performance styles in comedy, and if you're sort of presenting that, and someone who's like a voice like that is doing that, well, you know, that's good. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it was Roy Thompson Hall, which is kind of a she-she venue, uh-huh. and, oh, yeah. and people, you know, the symphony plays there, etc. You, you're kind of used to, you know, like a cello cello quartet doing some sort of piece. Um, I think Mitch Hedberg used notes a lot, too. But people who go there, people who attend those venues, they expect a a certain level, and and I'm just not, I'm not saying that that's a a, a really bad thing to do, or, or a lower thing to do. I'm just saying that it, you know, unprofessional thing to do. I'm just saying that it was, it was surprising, 
even though I, I you know I've never seen anyone at that level do that in Toronto at a venue like Roy Thompson Hall. I think I mean like the only guys who played Roy Thompson Hall I think were like Carlin and now Cosby. Like I don't know if yeah, anyone that's even, not one if that even gets played yeah. very much. And Roy Thompson Hall. Like, you have to be like the, oh, yeah. I don't even know if yeah. they allow like uh, other yes, comics yeah. to like you know and hey, just you, so do, you know, do Massey Hall. You know? He told like an incest daughter sucking the dad's <laughs> cock joke. Yeah. Like, I think it was yeah. his second joke. See, this in, is this the, is what I was saying. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't I don't know if 1971 George Carl. I mean, I watched. I remember. This year I watched his two pieces on death, the one from like 1978 or whatever, yeah. and then the one from the late 90s, and they were just so different. Right. And one of them was this wonderful, poetic, and it felt like it was full of life, this is the 70s one, and the other one was this one that, I don't even remember what he said, but it was to me it amounted to like... Just kill me. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there's nothing after. You could really you know? see. Like I was looking around. Why do I keep doing that? The lights were <laughs> the lights weren't totally dark. You know, you could see the audience, and I was looking at the audience, and it was it was cut down the line of the people who like, you know, uh, a place for my stuff and the se- seven words you can't say to. Mm. You were all diseased and all the later end stuff where he was just going like, fuck you. Yeah. Let's all just fucking die and all that shit. And, you, the, the, you know, the daughter sucking the dad's cock joke was like was was received by all the a place for my stuff fans like like they couldn't believe that this this old man was saying <laughs> yeah. these crass things. Right. Um, it was quite interesting. And I loved how he played with the perceptions of the audience that way. Yeah. Oh, and because yeah, he certainly. <laughs> Isn't there to uh, to please the audience? You know, he's there to perform his act, and he I'm yeah. sure he hopes that you enjoy it. But that's not the point of it. Like the point yeah. of it is to is to get out these. He has thoughts. the luxury once again of being George oh, Carlin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he's also someone who this is kind of interesting, right? He fell in love with uh, a certain way of crafting it, and yeah. he just sort of kept doing that. Yeah. You know, and and. Which win. is why I mentioned Louis C.K. Yeah, I think and Louis C.K. come I mean, up with his own craft, and yeah. Jim Gaffigan. These guys just like, uh-huh. you know, they make a snowman, they, and then they topple the snowman down. Right. I mean, you hear some of these guys now. Aziz Ansari is in every interview. You know, uh, sort of trying. He's he's obsessed with the same kind of thing. Not obviously not necessarily being as heavy as those guys, but of producing material at, at a pretty. An hour uh, a year, something. I don't think it evens out to quite that much. And neither does Gaffigan, because an hour a year is crazy. <clears throat> you know, I mean, the fact that Lucy like can do that. Like a hour, like yeah. to even like write an hour. Well, I mean, like write an hour material a year, a year. There's probably a lot of people do that, but I mean, like for me, if I write an hour of material, I got maybe ten, fifteen minutes out of it. Then, yeah, you know, I, I I feel the same way. I mean, I I can't. I've been performing half hour sets. That's the longest I do is like thirty five minutes, you yeah. know. And I've been doing it for years, but it's like I honestly, to get it to the point where I would feel comfortable doing an hour forty five, which it will get to that point. I'm just giving it a lot of time because I don't yeah. want to waste anyone's time, you know. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, but but I don't know what got in Louis C.K.'s uh, how he was really able to pull that off, except for the fact that he obviously has his own lo- internal logic that he is able to. Have all of his get all of his jobs. I mean, this is a guy who went from like, he was doing stand up the whole time and was also directing movies and get doing pilots and yeah. developing and writing and, uh, you know, I I, I don't know. I mean, he'd be, and I'm sure he'd have a very simple answer for it if you were to ask he him. He probably cuts out all of the, the time wasters in his life. Like I doubt he's very good at video games. I yeah uh, <laughs> I, I suspect he mm-hmm. you know probably doesn't. 
watch that much TV. He, he makes it. A closer look at, you know, like uber achievers yeah. will, will get you those, you know, observations. I, th- I, I really think that <clears throat> someone like Louis C.K. Uh, reached a level, and it doesn't work for everybody, but if you reach a certain level, there's something that unlocks in your in your unconscious, and you can ride that wave. Yeah, I think that's You know, true that too. he's riding. Like, not a lot of people can do it. Um, no matter how talented they are, like Eddie Murphy couldn't do it, you know, but he just, uh, Chris Rock couldn't do it. Yeah, but Chris Rock works, at least he works hard to get yeah. those hours every few years, you know. Yeah, but d- d- uh, maybe I'm I'm wrong, but doesn't Louis C.K.'s material come from Louis C.K.? <laughs> yeah. Do you mean Rock, how, Louis, how Chris Rock has to get like a bunch of people to bounce? Chris Rock is Louis C.K. and like Nick DePaul. But he does, I don't think of... those guys are writing his act. I think no, he's bouncing it off of them. And, sure. and frankly, I think that that's one thing in stand-up that I've actually come to appreciate lately is uh, bouncing our ideas off of other people and getting stuff from them. I'm not afraid to do that. I think. Now. I mean, I think also like you know? Chris Rock will do a show and he's got like not necessarily like, uh, like Nick DiPaolo uh, falling around, but like other comics that are opening for him and stuff like that mm-hmm. who are just like, boom, all right, here's a tag, here's a tag. Yeah. We can we can add to this one, this and that. And so it's like you can polish. I don't think like he's a 10 any less of a in, comedian. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. He's a great. Com- yeah. yeah, he's a. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I, I'm not really sure. I, I think that I, I just I get a bit nervous about deifying anybody, you know. Like, yeah. my, and I don't think that's that's like even something. But we, I mean, Louis C.K. at this point in time, 2013, he is really the top comedian. Yeah, that's 100 percent. In, we can't in terms argue of with like that. popularity, uh, respect, and process. Yeah. But you've got those ventriloquists nipping at his heels. Jeff yeah. Dunham, yeah, and <laughs> Terry Fator. Never forget that guy. He's I know. Like the second maybe you guys most should think about, you know, maybe think <laughs> yeah. about changing it up. Would you? Could I be your dummy? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> I think it would. You wanted. To Hi, turn, I'm Nick. <laughs> you wanted to turn this podcast into a brainstorming <laughs> yeah. session. We just we just did it for <laughs> you, man. <laughs> when you're when you're working on the team here at CBC and you're you're throwing stuff out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You throw you lob. Have you ever lobbed a couple of jokes over? And while you're lobbing it, you're going, "I want that for myself," and then they don't use it. Do you squirrel it away? For you know yourself? what? Actually, there was uh, like last year when we uh, we were pitching uh, stories. There was this uh, story that uh, about a guy uh, in North Carolina who uh, accidentally. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go through all of it. Accidentally drank uh, gasoline, and then spit it out all over himself, and then didn't change. And then lit a cigarette and died, and they're like, "Well, that's probably a little dark for us to discuss on the story." But I, like, I had I had the joke or like in the morning meeting had the joke all in it. We boom, 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 and then they and then they turned that down. They're like, you know, it was a little dark, and it's it, a little dark for for TV. Sure. But then I went and did that at Winnipeg Comedy Festival, and it killed. Like, I, I mean, I turned it into is my. Is it own, your? I, is it yours? Yeah, exactly. It's, Officially it's, yours. It's mine. Yeah. Oh, like I think in theory, if they really wanted to be sticklers about it, they could. They could say, "Oh no, that's uh, anything you pitch here is is ours. You can't touch it." But George is totally cool. Yeah, he's George not, seems like he's not. Movie. He's not going to be like, "Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that." It's yeah. He's Freezer, I'm working on my comedy. Album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> Picking up off the floor of what. what so they're they're rejected. they're giving in that. It's like yeah, they they don't they don't own anything. Just you know, don't do it before it gets here. You know, I mean, like also like anything that goes on TV here, I never touch at all myself. You couldn't you know? really do that, could you? No. No, that would be I mean, the that's, saddest. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't I hear yeah. that on yeah. a like infotainment yeah. show the other day? <laughs> um, wait, what? I have a Tumblr. You Nick do? Flanagan.tumblr.com. 
I'll just plug it in the Oh, in nice. The intro. So, yeah, you applied for that and were accepted? And I, then, got uh, a, I applied for the Tumblr, and I just got my Tumblr approved. <laughs> oh, that's my, amazing. My internet work visa. I don't know. I'm trying to my web visa. Don't worry about it. Can I go now? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to put a shirt on. Well, thanks, Fraser. <laughs> thanks a lot for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Fraser. <laughs> Say the word and I'll take it out.